Mesechta Chagiga Perek Beis Mishazayin until Perek Gimel Mishnah Gimel. The remaining Mishnahs of the Mesechta focus on the laws of Tumah and Tahara, impurity and purity, and as they relate to the laws of Yom Tov. Now before we reach the stage of how they relate to the laws of Yom Tov, the Mishnah brings a few introductory Mishnahs to explain some basic principles of Tumah. And we learned in the previous couple of Mishnah, so there are essentially five levels of things which need to be guarded from Tumah. Chulin, which is regular, unsanctified food. Maisasheni, which is forbidden to be eaten in a state of Tumah. Truma, which is the gift to the Kranim, which cannot become Tomei at all. Not just that one may not eat it in a state of Tumah, but one may not allow it to become Tomei at all. The fourth level is Karbonis, the meat of Karbonis. And the highest level is the solution containing the ashes of the Paraduma, which was sprinkled upon somebody who had become Tome from a dead body. Now, one of the most basic principles of Tumah is that if something Tome touches another item, or other food, or a person, depending on what level that person or item or food is on, it will become Tome with a lower degree of Tumah than the previous Tome item. So, for example, a dead body itself is known as Avi Avaisa Tumah, which literally means the grandfather Tumah, and that is sort of the most primary level of Tumah which there is. Now, a person who touches a dead body becomes an Avha Tumah. He is Tome with an Avha Tumah, which literally means a father Tumah, and again, that's a very severe level of Tumah. Now, there are also other things which begin as an Avha Tumah. For example, a animal which dies, so the animal itself is considered to be an Avha Tumah. Be as it may, if an Avhatuma comes in contact with a object or an item of food, so that object or food will become a Rishon Latuma. It's one degree removed from the Avhatuma. Now if a Rishon Latuma touches another item, another object, which is not food, then that object will not become Tome. A Rishon Latuma is too weak to make something else Tome to make another object tome, so an object can only go up to Rishon Tumah. However, food can also go to lower levels of Tumah. So if food touches a Rishon Tumah, then it becomes a Shani Tumah, which means that it is two degrees removed from the Av Tumah. And then if that touches other food, so we're going to learn in the next Perek, it now depends on the level, whether it's Truma or Karbanos, etc. Depending on that is how far the Tumah can go. Be as it may, although we have now seen that in general, when item A makes item B become Tome, so item B is Tome on a lower degree than item A, there is a big exception to this rule, and that is known as Tumas Medrus. Tumas Medrus is a particular type of Tuma which certain people can have, for example, a Zov, who is somebody who the Torah says is Tome as a result of certain substances exiting his body. So he has the Tuma of Tumas Medrus. Now, Tumas Medrus is, a, is on the level of an Avha Tumah, and there is a unique halacha that if a Zov, or somebody else who has this Tumas Medrus, if he supports his weight on something else, so for example, he sits on a chair, or he lies down on a bed, so the bed is meant for supporting the weight of a person, so if he supports his weight on a bed or something like that, then the bed becomes an Avha Tumah. It does not go down to a lower, le- a lower degree to become a Rishon Tumah, Rather, it becomes the same level of Tumah 
as the Zolf himself. Now, when our Mishnah is going to refer to Medras now, in the context of our Mishnah, the point of the Mishnah is really just to say that it is considered to be an Av HaTuma. So the Mishnah says, Big the Am HaOretz, the clothes of an Am HaOretz. Now, Am HaOretz is somebody who is ignorant of most laws, and he therefore does not observe most of the laws of purity. And so his clothes are considered to be Midras La Prushin. They are assumed to be on the level of a Tumas Medras, for Prushim, which literally means those who separate from Amayaretz, and it refers to people who are generally particular and do observe the laws of Tumah and Tara. Prushim are particular to eat even Chulin, even regular unsanctified food in a state of purity, and in order to preserve their state of purity, Midrabonon, they must assume that the clothes of an Amayaretz are on the level of an Avhatumah. So if they touch the clothes of an Amaretz, they will become a Rishayn Latumah. Big Day Prushim, the clothes of Prushim, who are particular with the laws of Tumantara, Medrus La'uchli Truma, they are considered to be on the level of Tumas Medrus, meaning they are considered to be an Av HaTumah for those who eat Truma, Koyanim, who need to be even more careful with the halachas of Tumantara. So they need to view the clothes of Yisraelim, who do not eat truma, they need to view them as being an avhatuma. So if a kohen touches the clothes of somebody who is not a kohen, he would be considered to have a rishon latuma upon him, and so would need to purify himself before eating truma. The Gemara notes that there's actually sort of a missing stage over here. We skipped straight from chulin to truma. We missed out the level of Maiseshani. And so the Gemara indeed says that we need to add it into the Mishnah in between the stage of the Prushim and those who eat Truma, one should add in those who eat Maiseshani. So one who has gone up to Yerushalayim to eat his Maiseshani, so if he touches the clothes of Prushin, then he would be considered Tome with regards to eating Maiseshani. And if a Koyim would touch his clothes, then the Koyim would be considered to be Tome with regards to eating Truma. Big Da'uchay Truma Midas Lakaydesh, the clothes of Koyim who eat Truma are considered to be a Av HaTumah for those who are eating Korbanos, Big Da'uchay Midas Lakatos, the clothes of one who has purified and been particular about the laws of Tumantara for the sake of eating Korbanos, his clothes are still considered to be an Av with regards to the Paraduma solution. So if somebody who is involved in preparing the Paraduma solution, if he touches the clothes of somebody who is involved in eating Karbonais, so he would need to purify himself before continuing to work with the Paraduma solution. And the Mishnah emphasizes these laws. Yosef ben Yezer was the most pious member of the Kanim, who was extremely careful with the laws of Tumah. He would eat everything with the Tara requirements which were necessary for Tumah. But nevertheless, since he only did that for the level of Tumah, so, um, his napkin which he used during the meal was considered to be an Av HaTumah with regards to somebody who is eating Karbanais. Similarly, Yechelen ben Gudgudah Eichel Taras HaKadosh called Yomov. Yechelen ben Gudgudah would eat even regular Chulin food whilst observing the requirements for the purity of Karbanais all his life. And so, at least according to this Mishnah, his clothes were considered to be on the level 
of the clothes of somebody who is actually involved in eating carbonates, and nevertheless, his napkin which he used during the meal was considered to be an avhatumah with regards to somebody who is involved in preparing the solution of the para'aduma, because based on these levels which the Mishnah has described, the Rabbanon were very careful to separate between each level to ensure that the tar or the purity of each level is preserved on the required level. So we learnt that the third level, out of the five levels of items and food, the third level is Truma, and the level above that, in terms of sanctity and how much one needs to guard it from Truma, are Karbanais, the meat of Karbanais. So the next couple of Mishnais are going to list 11 different ways in which the laws of Karbanais are more strict than the laws of Truma. And this is pretty much all Midrabanon. The ways in which Karbanis are more strict than Truma with regards to the laws of Tuma and Tara. Number one, the one can dip one utensil, which is inside a larger utensil, if it is for the sake of Truma. Even though there is a slight danger that the water of the mikveh won't come into contact with every single part of the utensils, because the smaller one might weigh down onto the larger one and not let any of the mikveh water get in between there. Nevertheless, since there is a very small chance of that happening, in general the water would be able to get to all parts of the utensil. So if one is putting them into the mikveh for the sake of use for truma, then that is okay, but not if he is putting them into the mikveh for the sake of using them for carbonis, since we do take that slight chance into account, since the laws of carbonis are more strict. Number two, if something becomes tome, then the entire item or the entire person or the entire piece of food will become tome. Even if only a tiny bit of the item touched a tome source, the entire item becomes tome. However, there are certain tomes which only make that part of the utensil tome. So if there is a utensil which could be split into achirayim, the back or the bottom of the utensil, the toich and the inside of the utensil, uvesat and the handle of the utensil. So let's say you've got some sort of mug, and you could technically take the bottom of the mug off and use that as a utensil to hold things, for example. The point is, if each part of the utensil in itself could be used by itself, so we do view them as three different parts of the utensil, but truma, when it comes to truma, such that if one of those parts becomes tome midrabonon, for example, if a liquid which is tome touches the utensil, so it only becomes tome midrabonon, only that part becomes tome. But not when it comes to carbonos, meaning when it comes to carbonos, if it touches even one part of the utensil, the entire utensil will become tome midrabonon. Number three, Hanoises Hamidros, one who is carrying in one hand an item which became Tome as a Tumas Medrus. So, for example, a Zov sat or stood on a particular item, and you're now carrying that item in one hand. Hanoises Hatruma, he may carry Truma in the other hand, and the Gemara explains he can carry Truma in a earthenware utensil, because the halacha is that when it comes to earthenware, the utensil itself cannot become Tome unless the tome item, the source of tuma, goes inside the utensil. But if it only touches the outside of the utensil, then it remains pure. And therefore, if there is truma inside this earthenware utensil, you can carry an avhatuma in your other hand, and we are not concerned that you're going to end up bringing the avhatuma inside the, utens- the, the earthenware utensil containing the truma.
When it comes to carbonis, again, this is an extra precaution taken because of the higher level of holiness of the carbonis. Number four, as we already learned, the clothes of one who eats truma and is therefore particular with the laws of tuma and the requirements which are necessary for eating truma. When it comes to somebody who is eating carbonis, the clothes of the one who is eating truma are considered to be an avhatuma. Number five, Another way in which the measure of precaution necessary for carbonis is not the same as that which is necessary for truma is that Shabakoidesh, when it comes to carbonis, if one has a tome item of clothing and he wants it to become pure on the level that it is considered to be tahar even for carbonis, that even one who touches, who is eating carbonis, who touches it, will remain tahar. So if any part of that item of clothing is tied, for example, if it has laces attached to it, so mate, one needs to untie anything which is tied, umanagev, and make sure that the entire item of clothing is dry. If it's wet, then it can wrinkle up slightly, and there is a small danger that the water of the mikveh will not reach every part of the item of clothing, because part of it is wrinkled up. So only once he has done that, umatbil, then he should dip it into the mikveh, and then he should um, tie up the laces again. Uvatruma, when it comes to truma, even if, let's say, you've got laces which are already untied, you could even tie it and then dip it into the mikveh, because we are not concerned that the water will not reach those parts of the item of clothing. It's only a small danger which we take into account only for the sake of carbonis. Mr. Bates, the list continues. Number six. The halach is that a item can become tome only once it has been completed and one is not planning on improving or changing the item more. So the Mishnah says, Kalim Hanigmorim Batara, utensils which are completed in a state of purity by somebody who is particular with the laws of Tuma and Tara. So I would have thought that it is certainly considered to be Tahar, and there's nothing to worry about, says the Mishnah, one is still required to dip those utensils into a mikveh before using them for carbonis, since there is a concern that a Amha'oretz, an ignorant person who is not careful with the laws of Tumantara, he might have been passing by just before the utensil was completed, and he might have spat towards the utensil, and his spit is considered to be Tome, and since this occurred just before the item was completed, so the spit will still be in existence once the item is properly completed, in which case it will become tome, and because of that small concern, one needs to dip the item into a mikveh to purify it before using it for the sake of carbonates. Avalila truma, but one does not be, need to be concerned for this when it comes to truma. Number seven, if there are lots of items, let's say you have lots of loaves of bread in a large basket, since each loaf of bread is considered separate from the other one, so in general, if one of them becomes tome, so only that loaf will become tome. Perhaps it might make another loaf which is touching it tome on a lower degree, but we still view each loaf of bread as an individual unit in itself. However, there is a stringency involved in carbonis that hakli the utensil, in this case the basket which is containing all of the items, so if there are lots of pieces of carbonis meat inside one large utensil, the utensil combines all of them to be considered like one, such that if one piece of meat 
touches something which is tome, we view it as if all of the pieces of meat became tome, as if they are all one large unit because they are contained within one utensil. Avalela truma, but this stringency does not apply to truma. Number eight, we discussed earlier the different degrees of tuma, starting from an av tuma, and then if an av tuma touches something else, it becomes a rishen latuma. If the rishen latuma touches something else, it becomes a sheni latuma, and so on. Now, when it comes to chulin, regular food, that can only become a maximum of a sheni latuma. Meaning, if something which is a sheni latuma touches chulin, then the chulin would not become tome, because something which touches a sheni latuma becomes a shlishi latuma. And when it comes to chulin, there's no such thing as a shlishi latuma. However, when it comes to truma, there is. And when it comes to carbonice, it goes one step further, the horavii bakodesh posel. When it comes to carbonice, even a fourth degree removed from the avatuma becomes tome. Vashalishi batruma, but only three degrees removed from the avatuma will become tome when it comes to truma. It should be noted that the reason why the Mishnah uses the word posel, which literally means invalid, and it does not use the word tome, is to indicate the fact that if the revii latuma, which becomes tome if it's a carbon, if that touches another carbon, so the other carbon cannot become tome, because that would end up being a chamishi latuma, and there's no such thing as a chamishi latuma when it comes to carbonis. So apostle refers to something which is tome, but cannot make something else similar to it tome. Alright, number nine, about truma, when it comes to truma, if one of his hands becomes tome, then the other hand remains tohar. And again, the only way that only part of the body can become tome is midjabonon. If, for example, one's hand touched a liquid which was tome, or food which was tome, so only that hand would become tome. Ubakodesh, but when it comes to carbonis, Matbil Shteyen, he has to dip both of his hands into a mikveh, Shahayod metames chavert ubakodesh, because one hand which is tome makes the other hand tome as well when it comes to carbonis. truma, but not when it comes to truma. Now the Gemara explains that this, that this stringency which applies to carbonis only applies if the hand which became tome was wet at the time that it became Tomei. In general, the laws of Tum and Tara are more stringent for something which is wet. We won't go into that now. The Gemara explains that this stringency which applies to Carbonos only applies if the hand which became Tomei was wet at the time. Such so that if that in- is indeed the case, so the other hand would become Tomei as well. Mishnah Gimel, the halacha is that an item of food can only become Tomei if it has previously become wet. That is known as Hechshel Kabul Tomei, when it becomes fit to be able to become Tomei. Another halacha which we need to know before learning the Mishnah is that Midrabonon, if a liquid touches something which is Tomei, even if the Tomei item is, let's say, a Sheni Tomei, if the liquid touches a sheni latuma, midrabon on the liquid becomes a rishen latuma. It goes up a degree. In general, something which touches a sheni latuma becomes a shlishi latuma. However, midrabon on if a liquid touches a sheni latuma, then it actually becomes a rishen latuma. We're not going to go into the reason for now, but this can have very large ramifications. We already learnt that stam yodayim, that one's hands are generally considered to be a sheni latuma midrabonon. Which means that if one, without washing his hands, if one touches a liquid, that liquid would automatically become a Rishon Latuma. And if you think about it, that means that if anybody touches Chulin food, even regular unsanctified food, if that food is wet, so by you touching it, you make the liquid which is on the food become a Rishon Latuma, because your hands are a Shani Latuma, and once the liquid on the food becomes a Rishon Latuma, it makes the food itself a Shani Latuma. 
And because of that, if somebody is eating trimmer, and let's say he has not washed his hands, so in general, if you eat trimmer yourself and you pick up the food yourself, you need to wash your hands before doing so. But let's say somebody else is feeding him. So his hands are still considered to be stamyodayim, they are considered to be sheni l'tuma, and somebody else is feeding him the truma. Somebody else puts it into his mouth. So let's say that right now he's got some truma in his mouth, and he hasn't touched it at all. It is forbidden for him to then take some wet chulin food and put it into his mouth whilst he is eating the truma. Why? Because as we explained, his sheni l'tuma hands will make the liquid which is on the chulin food a rishen latuma, which will then make the chulin food itself a sheni latuma, such that if he puts the chulin into his mouth, the sheni latuma will make the truma a shalishi latuma, because truma can become a shalishi latuma. A third degree removed. However, the Mishnah says that oichlin oichlin neguvim biodaim service. One is allowed to eat dry chulin food, even with his hands, which are considered to be tome as stam yodayim, but truma, whilst he has truma in his mouth. But not when it comes to carbonase, meaning if he has carbon meat inside of his mouth, then it's forbidden even to eat dry chulin food, even though the chulin food will remain tohar as he puts it into his mouth. There is a totally separate concern that as he is eating, he might put his hand, his fingers, into his mouth. Now his fingers, his hand, is considered a sheni latuma. As soon as he puts his hand inside of his mouth and touches the carbon meat, so the carbon meat will become a shalishi latuma, and so it will emerge that he has now made carbon meat tome, and he is eating tome carbon meat. Now this concern exists even when he's eating truma as well, because truma can also become a shalishi latuma. However, once again, this is one of the stringencies of carbonase, that we are concerned about this only with regards to carbonase, even though the concern technically does exist, even for truma. Alright, now the final, the, the 11th stringency of carbonus over truma is ha'oinein. A oinein is somebody whose immediate relative has passed away, and so on that same day, or at least until the person is buried, the relative is considered to be an oinein, and he is exempt from performing most mitzvahs, and one of the laws of an oinein is that he is forbidden to eat carbonus. However, he is allowed to eat truma, Alright, Umachusai Kippurim. Umachusai Kippurim refers to somebody who was Tome, and he has already been to the mikveh, and he has waited until nightfall, so technically he is now considered to be pure, and he can already eat truma again. However, he needs to bring a korban the next day. For example, somebody who had Saras, so he was Tome for seven days. On the seventh day, he went to the mikveh. When it reaches nightfall, he is now pure, but he is still forbidden to eat korbanos until he brings his korban the next day. Says the Mishnah, once he has brought the korban, and once the oinein stops being an oinein, his relative has been buried already, they both need to go to the mikveh before eating other korbanos. And this is even in the case of the Mechusak Epurim, who has already been to the mikveh. And the reason for this is because Midrabbanon, anybody who until now was forbidden, he went through a period where he was forbidden to eat korbanos, and now he is permitted to eat korbanos. Before doing so, he needs to go to the mikveh. Avaloila truma, but not for truma, since anyway, as soon as he became pure, he was able to eat truma, and so there is no reason to require him to go to the mikveh again, Midrabbanon. So that is the conclusion of the 11 stringencies of Carbonos over Truma.